Season four of Women, Wealth, and Entrepreneurship is brought to you by Southern Crescent Women in Business. Visit them at www.scwibga.org. It is also brought to you by our many and wonderful sponsors, Miss Yvette Best of Best Tax Services. Visit them at bestservicesunlimited.com. Also, Ms. Debracia Hale of Divine Designs and Closing Real Estate Deals and Heels. Visit them at www.divinedesignsfor5.com. Also, brought to you by Melissa Ellis of Life Beyond Water. Visit them at lifebeyondwater.org. We can't leave out Miss Alicia A. Williams of the Dazzling Diva Collection. Visit them at thedazzlingdivacollection.com And Miss Sylvia Ray of the Alzheimer Services Center in Morrow, Georgia. Visit them today at www.asc-ga.org also, we can't leave out Blessed Hands Healthcare. More information about Blessed Hands, visit them today at blessedhandshc.com. And finally, Miss Tyronica Carter of Radiant Styles Jewelry. Visit her today at tyronicacarter.com. Again, thank you to all of our many sponsors for season four of Women, Wealth, and Entrepreneurship. I am Arielle Shaw, founder and president of Southern Crescent Women in Business, and this is Women, Wealth, and Entrepreneurship. We have the distinct pleasure of having Alexis Sydney. Alexis Sydney, she's an enrolled agent, and she is the owner of The 12 Firm. Welcome, Alexis. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. Absolutely. So tell everyone, first of all, what is the 12 firm? (laughs) I get asked that question so much. So the 12 firm has so many meanings behind it. Um, Some of it is spiritual and biblical. And um, some of it is the other half is my birthday is in December. So it's the 12th month of the year. Um, as it relates to the spiritual side of it, you know, I'm a believer and Jesus Christ, he had 12 disciples. Um, so it has something to do with that. And also the meaning behind it is that at the time of 12, you're either going from midnight to, you know, the next day, or it's the daytime and you're going to the afternoon. Um, so with our we like to have our practices where, you know, when that clock strikes 12, it's the new beginning of something different. So it's a whole lot of symbolism and things like that. And then also the biggest one is that I worked for the federal government for 12 years. You know, I started off in college, so I felt like I had to go get a job. I, you know, went, had to use my degree. 
And I stayed with the government for 12 years. And then I decided that I wanted to go into entrepreneurship full time. Um, so at the 12 year mark, I left. So it's a whole lot with that number 12. And I created the 12 firm. Wow. So listen, I would have never thought that. <laughs> but that is a lot. And I mean, that's really interesting. Um, so tell us again. You were with the federal government in what capacity? Was that with the Internal Revenue Service for 12 years? No, I was actually with um, Homeland Security. I um, worked with FEMA and did disaster budget management um, for um, FEMA. I was 12 years and I um, did disaster budget management where whenever there's a storm declared, um, some of the big ones, Katrina, Sandy, you know, the big timers, um, we would travel my team and we would collect spending data and we would report that to Congress. So when you hear in the news and headlines that, hey, this is asking. I, I find it interesting to always talk to people who come from the federal government because I, I have a background in federal and I love um, that because I just think it prepares you um, for more than what I think the average individual understands. One, you're able to understand the acronyms. Two, you're able to see, especially from the contracting side, the ability to get into that space and make additional dollars but i want i want to shift a little bit so tell us first of all where are you located um in georgia town i guess fayetteville city hall area um where the new city hall is located awesome and who exactly are your clients so my clients range from individuals who are just family individuals. Um, we also service lots of small business owners and um, you know we help them from everything from tax preparation to providing accounting services for them so that they can manage their business finances. Um, we do profitability coaching. Um, we offer CFO services, tax planning. So we're almost that one-stop shop for the small business owners to make sure that they have all their needs covered um, as they're starting their businesses, growing them, and scaling them and taking them to the next level. Awesome. Now, Alexis, how was that transition when you left from working for someone to getting into the entrepreneurial space? It was definitely, you know, challenging for me. Um, one, you know, I started off at a young age in college as an entrepreneur and, you know, it was fun. It was different then because I didn't have much responsibility. I lived on campus, everything was covered. Um, but as I stepped in and got a job or whatnot, I really enjoyed my job. I loved it. I love traveling. I love the mission. I love the work I, I was doing for the federal government. But there was always this passion about doing taxes. You know, you work seasonally, you make money, and, you know, you're helping people. Um, but as I grew older, you know, and things started changing, I started, you know, learning more about business owners and the opportunities for entrepreneurship. And I started to see like people needed more than just taxes. And um, I wanted to provide that service, but at the same time, I had this 
I, I guess they say good government job <laughs> that paid well. I got my paycheck every biweekly and, you know, I was good there, but I always knew there was more. And as I started wanting to climb that ladder um, in government, it was challenging because I was young and, you know, there were a lot of older people there. And they have this mindset of, oh, well, if you didn't come from corporate America, accounting job, you don't know X, Y, and Z. So it was really challenging for me to go to the next level there. And I felt like, you know, I plateaued, but I knew I had this business that skies was the limit. I can do what I wanted to do. I can create whatever types of opportunities I wanted to. So I worked with my coach. I set a date of, okay, you know, this is when I'm going to leave. And I wrote it down. I made the vision, wrote the vision out, made it plain and clear, as they said. And I left. And it was very challenging because, you know, again, I gave up a, a consistent paycheck that was, you know, really good. But at the same time, you know, it forced me to really step into the entrepreneur role um, full-fledged. And it was very challenging because the mindset, change you know while people work nine to five jobs that's the, a structured mindset and i brought that mindset over into the entrepreneur space um i would sit at my desk nine to five just working 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 <laughs> and you know i wouldn't do so because I, I have to work i have to and get gain an entrepreneur mindset is a total different mindset than working a nine to five and it took some time to get there um, and now that I, I, I passed that part, now is the part of, okay, you know, you can take some time, you can do whatever you want to do, but really structuring your day, um, setting boundaries so that, you know, you are successful, um, connecting with people so that you are making those connections and definitely, you know, having the sales part because things for me, and I'm still a little nervous to this day is knowing that I impact people's lives, their families, because they work for me. And, you know, you need the support. You can't do everything on your own. But at the same time, you know, you have to have that balance because, you know, you have that mom that's working for you that has a family and she's depending on you. Um, you have other team members and like they're depending on you for their livelihood and survival. So it comes with a lot of challenges. It's not easy, but it's definitely a rewarding experience if it's done the right way. You know, I, I think you hit on something really good, Alexis, and that was the entrepreneurial mindset. Um, we definitely... Um, <laughs> we have a cohort where um, we basically explore, well, help you start a business from A to Z. Um, but mindset is definitely one of those modules um, because when you're coming from either corporate, federal, whatever you come from, you know, it's very easy to say I'm working for someone else. Um you're on their schedule. Um, but when you have to shift <laughs> to that entrepreneurial mindset, it's a it's a thing. Um, and and so what helped you actually shift 
to that entrepreneurial mindset. And I'm hearing, you know, I'm, you know, I I heard you say, you know, you're a little still, you know, what makes you nervous about, you know, people actually depending on you. That's one thing. But what actually helped you shift to that entrepreneurial mindset? Well, definitely for me, what helped most was having a coach. Um, I I had to invest in a coach um, that I meet with. Um, bi-weekly, have access to 24-7 because I had that partner who went through that journey before and they were there to guide me and lead me. Um, And I I chuckle about it now because I thought I got to a point, you know, during the journey, I was like, I don't need you anymore. I got this. And I found myself kind of slipping backwards. And I was like, nope. I'm not, I, I still need you. So I just checked it with a coach. Um, I I needed someone who has done this, who's taken this walk before. Um, so I invested in a coach where I knew that I made a large investment. I was going to show up <laughs> and, you know, cause I wanted the return on my investment, but as the levels go, you know, you probably won't be with the same person forever. But as you get to the next level, there's a coach for that next level. And you just need to stay coached up. Um, also, I have accountability partners that help. Um, and just all the communities that I stay connected with, with like-minded entrepreneurs. Uh, because a lot of times, you know, your inner circle, your friends may not be doing what you're doing. And they can't provide that support. So you have to stay connected with, you know, people that you can go to who are doing the same thing that you're doing, walking that entrepreneurial journey so that you all can, um, you know, glean off of each other and support one another. Absolutely, Alexis. So, you know, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Um, I think it's very important to realize you know, having a support system, having a network and having um, someone as a mentor or an accountability or a coach um, is is definitely um, an added value when you're doing entrepreneurship. What I find is that entrepreneurs who typically are on these islands by themselves, they just do not do well. Um So, you know, I always say, you know, entrepreneurship is difficult. (laughs) So definitely you do not want to be on an island by yourself and doing that. Um, Now, now tell me this. You mentioned something about um, basically how you were trying to get another or reach another level within your corporate space or federal space before you shifted completely to entrepreneurship full-time. One, because the ceiling was something that didn't exist where entrepreneurship, you know, um, was. Now, now expand upon that, um, that, that particular statement. So you knew that you had the ability to earn way more do way more, impact more in going into the entrepreneurship space. And why is that important as we are talking about women, wealth, and entrepreneurship? Well, it's definitely important because, you know, with 
jobs and it really depends on the job you have. Now, if you're a sales consultant and you have a high product that you're selling, you know, you have the flexibility to know that sky can possibly be the limit. You just have to get out. Um, but with a regular job with a set, you know, salary and pay and the likelihood of bonuses and commissions and, you know, all of that stuff, it doesn't happen within the federal space and it doesn't happen with too many jobs. Um, so for me, I knew I was boxed in to um, like, I was like at a $100,000 salary and I'm just boxed into that. And, you know, while we say 100,000, we know that you a percentage of that goes to taxes. So you still don't see <laughs> that money. And it's like, this is it, you know, and I'm just the type of person that I know the skills that I have. I'm very creative. And I just knew that there was more than just that box of the $100,000 and live the lifestyle that, you know, I desire or just do things that I can help others. So I didn't want to limit myself. Um, and that was part of it. But at the same time, I was really passionate about being fully there because, you know, being women and having families and being moms and, you know, all the other stuff that we do, you know, we can only stretch ourselves so this journey and I took it with the right intentions that, you know, everything will be okay. And things have been good for me. And it's just having that leap of faith mindset where you trust, you have faith and you know that it will be okay. And I always told myself, if it didn't work out, what's the worst case? I can always go back and get my job. So, so you know, I think that is so great because one, you know, we talk a lot about, um, a lot of women get into entrepreneurship for various reasons. Some, um, we hear more often than not, it's the flexibility. It's, you know, the balance with the family. Although sometimes, you know, that's that, you know, you're still stretching it when it comes to the family and entrepreneurship, especially in the early years of your business. Um, but I think more importantly, it is the ability to kind of set your own schedule and determine, you know, what what's most important. Um, what advice do you have for women who are willing or are, you know, afraid to maybe take that leap from their nine to five and get into full time entrepreneurship? What what does that look like? And, and what is that advice? Well, I would definitely say have a game plan. You know, you want this to be something fun and not regretful where it's like, oh, I'm struggling, I can't pay nothing. And now it's forcing you not to be able to have the right mindset to be a great entrepreneur because so much other stuff going on. So definitely know what your number is and put a plan in place um, tiers that you have. Um, so definitely make a list of your fears, make your list of what your number is and start working towards that structure, that blueprint, so that once you get in that space, you know, you can be successful. Um, definitely, um, I'm one, unless you just have lots of money that you can tap into, um, definitely start building slow before you just leave the job. So that way, you know, you have business coming in. And you know, you you know it's the minimum that you can meet your needs and do everything that you need to do before just saying, hey, quit this job, I'm jumping in, let me figure it out. 
Um, so those are some of the things that I would recommend. Definitely from an accounting standpoint, I see this so many times and it's so painful to me. A lot of business owners, they think the business, but they don't concentrate on the tax implications. What would be your best advice as, as a woman in business or a woman period, um, an African-American woman as to how and you know what areas should we as women be looking at to make sure that we are accumulating the right amount of wealth and in a in a pretty concise amount of time well definitely um i think in addition to taxes just definitely you know being clear on what the tax picture looks like for you um, as a business owner, I definitely um, recommend having some tax planning done um, so that as you're growing, as your income is growing, you have the proper tax strategies in place where you are able to reduce your tax liability legally on your business for all your income. But you definitely want to get to a place where, okay, my income is structured. And even, and I, I tell clients because I'm, um, a certified profit first professional. And with that model, we help business owners to, I guess, organize their finances so that when you look at your bank account, you know what's available versus looking in your bank account with one checking account and is like, what's in here? What's mine? What can I take? You don't know unless you got an Excel sheet and you track and stuff. Um, so having that clarity and having that financial blueprint in place, even if you're not making a whole, whole, whole lot of money, if you're setting your money plan up the right way and structuring it, you know, each time you get income coming to your business, you can allocate it to different buckets. And now you can even take a little and just start sitting aside for investment. I tell business owners, it's about the habit. Um, a lot of people will think, oh, well, I'm not I'm not there because I'm not making a hundred thousand dollars. But, you know, it's good to start when you're not making a hundred thousand. So as you're getting there, you have that habit and you're rock solid. You can do different things. So um, there's so much you can do. You just have to connect with the right people um, and figure out what works for you um, so that you can capitalize on not just the business income, but have other investment products or insurance products or different things that can help you generate more, um, you know, revenue or even passive income opportunities with your business. Absolutely. Um, so I, I completely agree. Um, you know, we can't, you know, they always used to say having seven streams of income is always the best thing to do. You should always strive for that. <laughs> I think when the pandemic hit, people realized, wait a minute, having multiple streams of income is not just a luxury, but it's a necessity. So having your money work for you is definitely um, something that I, I totally stand behind. Um, our revenue in particular areas of investment is maybe that's a, maybe that's a better way to ask that question. <laughs> What, what industry is what I'm going to ask? Uh, well, it depends. <laughs> when you're relating to investments, um, it just really depends on what the market is doing. Uh, I have a lot of clients that play in the crypto world. 
and um, right now, you know, the market is not as booming as it was uh, a, a few years back, you know, um, but not to say like, they're just like, I'm not doing that, you know? Um, I have a lot of people as a part of their investment portfolio, they dabble in real estate. Um, and, you know, there's a model there that says your portfolio should have 50% of real estate in it. Um, but as we see now, the market is kind of shifting. Um, so you have some people who are like, I'm not getting into it. But then you have some people that are like, hey, this is prime time for me. Um, so it just really depends on your level. Um, I have some clients who, you know. So when you, say, when you say level, does that mean your risk tolerance? Risk tolerance or where you are with, I guess, as we would say, um, income that you can dispose of you know some people no liquidity. They have a lot of resources yeah. liquidity they can tap into and some are like i don't have it um so that's what i mean by level um how <laughs> the money you have to play with uh sort of say and um there's other things you can do there's gold and silver um I know people that that's what they do. That's what they love to do. And they're so hyped about it right now because they're like, this is, this is it right now. This is the time. Um, so it just really depends on what your preference is, what you're comfortable with. And like you mentioned, what your liquidity is like, because you don't want to start pulling money that you don't have to make investments um, unless you can afford to do that and be okay. Um, so just depends on the person. Alexis, um, are you the first entrepreneur in your family? Well, I like to think that I am. However, <laughs> <laughs> maybe the first profitable. Uh, a lot of my family members own their own churches, so that's more on a nonprofit, but it's still a business structure. Um, but as far as a profit-driven business, yes. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> So you come from a family of preachers. Yes, they, they had churches. <laughs> well, you know, in, in some aspects, churches, uh, yeah. You know, we always say um, nonprofits are still businesses. Nonprofits, they just redirect where those funds are supposed to go. Um ideally and it typically isn't profit profit led um but yeah that's that's interesting okay <laughs> now now do you have children tell us a little bit about your family and and how has this entrepreneurship journey um helped or hindered your family well, definitely. I have three small children. I have a two-year-old son, a four-year-old son, and I have a seven-year-old daughter. And I have a little fur baby that's about seven years old, too. Um, so I have little kids, and it's definitely changed. Um, at one point of my life, I called myself a serial entrepreneur. You know, I was doing taxes. I'm really creative. Um, I had an event planning business designing weddings, t-shirts, interior design, like all, all of that stuff. I love that space. Um, but as I started having kids, I was like, I can't do all these things. I can't be making t-shirts and doing tax returns and trying to take care of them. Um, but, you know, it's, it's definitely changed for me, um, you know, because I have to put them first 
Um, I remember as I had no family or no husband, I used to stay up all night just cranking out returns and doing numbers and doing what I needed to do. Um, but it, it shifted as I you know, started having a family and my life changed. Um, and so for me now, um, I have to have boundaries. I have to have time schedules. Like I'm not open 24 seven. I'm open nine to five, Monday through Friday. And just really put those boundaries in place right now because I do know that I have them. And, you know, it's still hard sometimes because you want to be here. You want to be at networking events. You want to do this stuff. But then it's like you don't want to take away from your kids because they're growing, too, and they're so young. Um, but at the same time, it's been a beautiful thing being an entrepreneur because my kids, they see it. And it's so funny because they think I'm this big boss or they see me. They'll get my phone and see me on it's Mommy, you're on the phone or we're going to mommy's work or mommy you're the boss of this place and it's so funny to hear their little minds and how they perceive their mom to be but at the same time you know my daughter I see it in her she's very creative and I'm like well maybe I should help her start a business doing something and she sees me doing stuff and she's like I'm gonna open me up a lemonade stand and sell lemonade to the golfers that come through the golf course and I'm like oh okay. I love that <laughs> So it's such a rewarding thing for me because it allows them at a young age to see like they don't have to be buckled down to a, a job. Not, nothing's wrong with it, but it lets them be creative and just, you know, be free to do whatever to kind of generate um, revenue. Um, at the same time, you know, the caveat for me is I don't think none of my kids want anything to do with accounting and taxes. I just don't see it. Um, so for me, it's, you know, this business, I, I hear a lot of people say, oh, I'm, I'm building this business to leave to my kids. And it's like, do your kids really want that business? So for me, I focus on how can my business build generational wealth so that if something was to happen to me or as I got older, I built up enough for them while I was able to move and shake and do what I wanted to do um, as an entrepreneur that it allows them to, you know, not have to go into debt for college or be able to have resources to invest in. And so that's why, you know, I use tools like insurance and different things of that nature to be able to help build that, you know, and allow my business to do that. Now, if they want to take this business, you know, <laughs> when they get of age and they want to do fine, but if not, you know, the wealth is there for them to be able to do stuff that they want to. So, you know, you hit on something that um, we've heard a lot. Um, and I, I wanted, I, I really think we didn't talk a whole, it's not enough about it, I would say, before the pandemic. Um, but now you're hearing the conversations a lot more. How does, what are you doing with insurance to make sure that you um, make sure your kids are okay and they have wealth? Well, definitely. Um, you know, for me, my kids, and I recommend this, you know, product for, you know, people with small children are you know, the IUL products. Um, and those products allow you to build cash value. Now, and, now say what an IUL is. Well, I, IUL is an index um, universal life insurance policy. 
Um, so what happens with that policy is it builds cash value. Um, so you put money into the policy, you pay, you know, whatever your monthly premium you decide for it to be. Of course, we know the more you put in, the higher the cash value builds. Um, but it's good for people who, you know, don't have a whole lot of money to put in because if you're doing it while the kids are at a young age, it has time to build up over the years for them. Um, so what this does is at the age of 18, um, let's just say you started this policy when your kids were one or two years old, you've been building cash value up for them. Um, so if they decide, hey, it's 18, I'm going to college, let me go into this policy and take some of the cash value out and it's tax free. You don't have to pay for it. Um, but, you know, some of us, if we have 401k, we pull money from that, it's taxed. Um, and you get penalized if you're under the age um, that you need to be. Um, so these are a type of products that, you know, can really set a difference um, for you. You can look at it as like paying into a savings account um, for your kids and it's building cash value over the years. Um, but at the same time, it's a life insurance product. So if something was to happen, you still have the death benefit payouts as well. Uh, so just knowing those tools, um, there are so many tax strategies for entrepreneurs where you know, you can hire your kids and you can set them up an IRA and you can pay into their IRA and now you're taking the tax advantage. So it's just a wealth of things out there um, that you can take advantage of, especially with young kids that can help them to really have um, future um, money or just, you know, access to cash with these different tools if you start at a young age. So Alexis, we're going to have to get you to do a content piece for our magazine on how to build wealth for your kids. <laughs> um, I think that's really good. You know, we've heard the talk and I know I served on a committee where we were, um, uh, I guess, put in charge of getting dollars out for our county. We saw in various roles that people did hire their kids. Um, and, and it's, it's an interesting thing because, you know, for some reason, I don't think it was, um, and I guess it just depends on who's in the room. Uh, but you know, a lot of people weren't aware that you could do this, but I think talking a little bit more about it because it is legal. And I'm going to tell you this, I, you know, what, what I realized <laughs> with, uh, our tax system is it really isn't designed for people who work for other people. I hate to say it like that, um, but it is truly designed for people who are entrepreneurs or investors. Would you agree with that? I do. Um, you have a lot more tax advantages as an entrepreneur or an investor and um, as a general individual, um, unless you're a high income earner, meaning high income, <laughs> it, it's kind of limited. And um, yeah, that's a whole, <laughs> we could do a whole workshop on that. But no, I agree, um, it's very limited. Um, so that's why I always encourage people to get a business. Um, get a side hustle, whatever you want to call it, um, so that you can take advantage because a lot of us are doing stuff. I have so many people like they work a job and, 
you know, they're doing something and they don't consider it a business. And it's like, that is a business. Make it a business. Make it work for you. So um, I think it's just, you know, educating people and um, letting them know, like, this is what you can do. And this is what this looks like. Because it's easy for us as entrepreneurs to say, hey, you know, let's do this um, and tell all the benefits. But I think, you know, for some people, they have to see it on paper. Like, this is what the numbers will look like. This is how this can help you. And here are the facts um, versus just putting the stuff out there. But I definitely agree. Like, the tax system, um, you know, it, it it's... It, if you're a business owner, it's definitely more advantageous for you. Absolutely. And, and I mean, I think it's okay in saying that. Um, I mean, we we notice the breaks that happen for several large, large companies, um, which I'm not going to name, um, but, you know, or individuals, which I won't name as well. <laughs> um, but the entire United States saw that. And we always are like, well, how do they pay less taxes than I did? (laughs) Legally, they were able to use, you know, the strategies that were um, already available within the tax system. So understanding that and and making it work to your advantage is always a good thing. Um, So, you know, I talked, we talked about wealth. We've talked about entrepreneurship. Um, Challenges as it is for a woman to be in entrepreneurship or in your space are there any and how did you overcome them well it for me i I really feel like it depends on the niche or the industry that you serve um so you know i've tested a lot of different industries um but what i find uh, is that honestly um just depending on you know, the type of people you're dealing with. For right now, I work a lot with real estate investors, agents, and brokers. And, you know, for me, the dynamics is different because, you know, it's not so much a male dominating industry. Um, It's very mixed. It's very dynamic. So I think it's just finding who you can speak to. Um, But there are some challenges there because, you know, some of the I guess we think of investors that are really, you know, doing their thing, lots of wealth and opportunities, you know, they're male dominated or corporate dominated and driven. Um, So it can be challenging for me to be able to tap into that because it's like, I don't, you know, have those connections. But as far as me being able to work with, you know, investors, agents and brokers, find it challenging at all um you know i feel that you know me the information i bring and the value i bring really supersedes and and it speaks you know high here and they're like oh she knows her stuff so it's more so i see the value versus oh she's a woman i i can't deal with her she doesn't know what she's talking about um but you know i think with any industry it's just the people because you'll still find You know, some people that are like, I'm only dealing with a man. And then you have some women or vice versa. And they're like, I'm only dealing with a female of color. So it's just figuring out what works for you. And once you do, you just, you know, you you speak to those people. Okay, that's good information. Um, So for women who are um, 
considering your type of field, what would you say they need to know? Is there a particular amount of education or training that you would recommend before jumping into this sort of um, industry? Um, So, you know, if you're a woman, female, and you're interested in getting into the tax accounting arena, um, I definitely feel that you can go about it two different ways. Um, you can start, there's always not putting anybody out there, but you know, the big block company that offers tax preparation courses, um, you can go and take the course there and they may offer you the opportunity to work with them and you can get some experience there. Or you can take their course and you can decide, hey, let me find a local you know, company where I can work with them or you can form like a partnership where you're getting the coaching that you need and you're building your client base, but you have that partner where they can help you, they can you know, teach you, they can review your returns or whatnot so that you're comfortable and it's not like you're out there on your own and you don't have a go-to person that can support you. Um, but I don't feel that, you know, it's one of those industries that as long as you get the training you need, definitely take a course. Um, and after that point, just connect with the right people and just, you know, start working your way into the industry. Um, that's the route I took, you know, my, my parents did, my dad did taxes growing up. So I always knew taxes, but he did it with the books and the pencils and the schedules from the library. Um, so I was always acclimated to taxes, but when I started and I was like, Hey, I'm gonna do this. I took an HR block class. And from that point, but I had a coach, a friend guiding me throughout the process. Um, so I always worked for myself because I had that support. Um, so, so, so you did get that that uh, entrepreneurial bug from one of your parents. So <laughs> your your dad did taxes, and he did this as his own business. No, he just did it for friends and family. Um, so mm-hmm. it wasn't a full fledged, uh, you know, business. He right. it was a side hustle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, the side business, <laughs> but that's okay because you know that's how you started, and then you made it a full business. Now, right. now, Alexis, you have you started in what year, and how how large have you been able to grow the the twelve firms? Well, I started taxes. My first year in business was in two thousand and four. We opened November two thousand and four, and we were actually Atlanta Income Tax Services. Um, so over the years, I have rebranded my company as I grew. Um, I've changed the names a few times because, you know, I started off as only taxes. And then I was like, well, I want to do more. I don't want to just have taxes and it limits me. Um, so I've made a few name changes. But when I got to that point of leaving the federal government, I came up with the 12 firm. Um, and I, I did that. And I always emphasize that to business owners. Um, that, you know, sometimes as I've been around this world, (laughs) your name can limit you um, when you're trying to get funding and different things. So I wanted a generic name because, you know, I wanted to tap into real estate. I wanted to tap into insurance as I'm doing and contracted as well. And I didn't want the accounting or tax in my name to limit me um, or prevent me from getting opportunities because nobody really can know what the 12 firm is um, by just knowing the 12 firm name. So 
Um, that was one of the reasons for, you know, the change and the rebranding over the years as I started seeking other business models and opportunities. I just wanted a generic name um, to be able to go off of. Um, so, so again, um, and leading up to the, you know, the rest of the question, how have you been able to, how, how large now is the 12 firm? How many staff do you have? Um, and, and what do you see yourself in the future? Definitely. So the 12 firm, we have a total of six staff members. Um, some of them are seasonal preparers. Um, about three of them are seasonal and three are consistent full-time employees with the 12 firm. Um, I definitely see myself growing. Um, I do want to, well, we service, you know, just, just Georgia and also the entire United States. So we have clients all over the U.S. Um, I am considering, you know, going to another location in Georgia and having multiple locations within the state of Georgia. I don't think that I want to branch out beyond Georgia, um, but for right now, maybe two or three locations in different um, areas. And my goal is to really, you know, take the CFO services to another level. Um, I also have a nonprofit that's an arm of the 12 firm. And some of the things that I want to do with that um, that's in the works is really develop some financial education, literacy training for the youth. Um, because I feel that it, you know, it's very important that we teach our youth the importance of finances and taxes and money at a young age. And I don't feel that the curriculum in the schools are doing that. Um, so as we continue to grow, we're going to grow that arm of our nonprofit so that we can start having you know summer programs or going into the school systems and really educating um, our youth on what's going on so that they can build financial acumen. Um, so Alexis, that's really good to hear because we have a STEM camp and our STEM and entrepreneurship camp has a financial education piece. Um, so we'd really be interested in having you be a part of that. Um, it's geared towards fifth through eighth grade girls. Um, but we we did it last year. We stand truly behind making sure we have that financial piece. We've been able to work with um, tools actually from the Federal Reserve um, because they'll send you that type of information. But anytime we can get you know, individuals in that have, you know, that background, that's really a good space to be. Um, I think it's very important that we do start that education early um, for our community, especially. Um, and and, and I, I applaud you on that. So again, um, Alexis, it has truly been a pleasure. Um, tell everybody one, where are you from originally, Alexis? I'm originally from New Haven, Connecticut, and oh. um, yeah, I ended up in Hotlanta <laughs> at the Clark Atlanta University umpteen years ago for college, and I never left. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, I'm always interested to hear where people are from, especially in Atlanta, because hardly no one in Atlanta is from Atlanta anymore. <laughs> Um, but you know when we when we talk about expanding businesses and our footprint 
you know, I'm always interested to hear one, will, will you ever have a space in where you came from? Is that something that you you considered or thought about? You said right now you're not looking to go outside of Georgia. Do you think you would change that and maybe do something in your hometown? if it will be accounting or taxes I'm open to the idea but you know maybe it will be a contracting opportunity or something along that line contracting opportunity I would definitely you know go to other states for those type of opportunities Um, but other than like accounting and taxes you know the world is so virtual right now with that profession it is really you can service clients from wherever you want to (laughs) so so, so, you know, I, I, I'm, listen, I have to ask you, how is artificial intelligence changing your industry? Because let me, let me say this with me hearing you talk about, you know, CFOs or some of the back office things. Um, I know that there's a, it, <laughs> You know, AI is definitely in every space at this point. Um, What we saw during the Great Resignation, um, which happened, I guess, at the end of 2021, um, right after the pandemic, small businesses were really struggling to find people to work for them. And we automatically shifted to say, hey, you know, what What in our business can we automate? Meaning what in our business can we, can we make sure a computer can do? <laughs> because surely um, this issue with ha- not having actual human capital is not something entrepreneurs are going to stand for. So now it's so interesting to see because people are so... Um, you know, like, oh my God, where did where did all this come from? And I said, you know, entrepreneurs are always going to find a way to do something. That's that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. <laughs> we're we're pretty creative individuals. Um, we knew it was only a matter of time before certain jobs basically are replaced by um, machines and systems. So how? Have you integrated or have you started to integrate technology into what you're doing? Yes, I years ago before the pandemic, uh, my firm, we always had a, a physical place. However, we converted to a virtual practice. So um, I wasn't too much affected by the pandemic because we had already converted to virtual. Um, I use technology to automate as much as I possibly can. However, within my business model, I feel that, you know, the personal touch is still needed. So I'm very big on, you know, having that personal touch, having that admin answer the phone. Although I know my phone system can do the greetings because I don't want to just be a robot, you know, for my business. Um, So, you know, we use technology, we leverage it in any way that we can. Uh, And it's definitely helpful. Um, However, (laughs) because I am in accounting and taxes, and it's funny, it's a joke because I have tried to see if AI can do a tax return. It's not there yet. (laughs) 
So I think I'm still safe as it goes for that physical accounting, bookkeeping and tax stuff. Um, but it does make it easier, you know, for us having those tools and resources to be able to utilize them to serve clients in a greater capacity. So it just makes it easier um, for us. Okay. All right. Well, listen, it has absolutely been a pleasure talking with you today. Um, how do people find you? Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. You can find me by visiting um, us online at www.the12firm.online. And um, you can connect with us on all of our platforms. Um, you can, you know, if you want to schedule a time to talk with us, you can definitely do that from our website. Um, we're on LinkedIn, TikTok, Facebook, all of the platforms. So definitely reach out to us and, um, you know, find us if you need us. <laughs> Absolutely. Is there any last words that you want to leave for women in business? Anything as it relates to women, entrepreneurship, and building wealth? Yes, definitely. You know, just start where you are. Um, don't have the limited beliefs that, hey, my business is not generating, you know, this amount of money that I can't do anything or I don't need that. Um, definitely work with where you are and just make sure that you have the structures, the systems in place that you're aware of your business financials, your taxes and everything. So that as you're growing, you know, you are set up in the right path versus getting to a level. And it's like, oh, now you have to go back and fix your mistakes. So definitely, you know, have that go to tax advisor that you can connect with or be in a community with and ask the questions so that you're getting good knowledge and you're not out there researching it or listening to TikTok videos and um you know and then once you grow into the space that you need to you know it'll be a next level um but just definitely get with good people um and ask the questions so that you'll be set up for success i love the don't listen to the TikTok videos <laughs> it's absolutely been a pleasure alexis again this has been Women, Wealth, and Entrepreneurship with your host, Ariel Shaw. Thank you, Alexis Sidney, for joining us today from The 12 Firm. And she has listed where you can find her and connect with her. Thank you. This has been another episode of Women, Wealth, and Entrepreneurship. Again, thank you again to Southern Crescent Women in Business. Our 2023 media participants include the Alzheimer Services Center, Tyronica Carter of Radiant Styles, Alicia Williams of the Dazzling Diva, Yvette DeVest of Best Tax Solutions, LLC, Debracia Hale of Divine Designs, Melissa Ellis of Life Beyond Water, and Katherine Jordan of the Savvy ID. Again, thank you for joining Women Wealth and Entrepreneurship.